Over 30,000 Americans are killed every year in motor vehicle crashes, and it's actually the leading cause of death in 15 to 29-year-olds. Welcome to All the Rage out of Phoenix Studios. This is the podcast on anger and violence, and I'm Ryan Martin, a psychologist and anger researcher at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, and I'm here without my co-host, Chuck Ryback, uh, but I've got something even better in store for people today. We have a student of mine. She is a psychology major, a human development major, a music minor, Taylor Galbrand. How's it going? It's Good. Good. So we're here to talk a little bit about driving anger. Is that something you are familiar with? I'd say a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. So tell me, give me more. Tell me in what way are you familiar with? Are you, have you, are you a perpetrator of road rage? <laughs> are you the victim of road rage? Neither? I try really hard not to be a perpetrator of road rage, but um, Sometimes I just get a little frustrated when I'm driving. <laughs> what, give me some examples of things that tend to like make you angry. So I get a little upset when I'm in the left lane and I'm going, got places to be, and there's a car in front of me not going as fast as I think it should be going. <laughs> so then I'm sort of stuck behind them, and then they're probably usually going the same speed limit or like the same miles per hour as the car next to them. So I can't really get around them, and it's yeah. And so that's the so I have long said that if you were an evil genius and you wanted to create a scenario that was going to make people mad, that scenario would look a lot like driving, you know. And and it's for reasons like you just described because my hunch is they're going over the speed limit or no in that scenario? Probably. Probably, yeah. So it's just, in some ways, part of what makes people angry is that, yeah, there are written rules to the road, but there's also these unwritten rules to the road. You know, that these things that, and those actually differ by people. So just like out of curiosity, what, in the left lane, what, on the interstate, how fast do you like to go approximately? No police officers listen to this show, I'm certain of it, so you're fine. Um, I would say if I'm really late, which I usually am, I'll probably go like 75. Okay. In a 65? So about 10 over? Yeah, Is that I would right? say 10 over. Okay. So yeah, so me too. I'm like kind of a nine over. I just remembered your family are police officers, right? <laughs> it's amazing. Yes, thank you, Ryan. <laughs> so, okay. Maybe some police officers just listen to the show. Um, so, um, yeah. So, uh, like, like I'm, I'm kind of in the nine over camp. You know, that like that sort of feels like a good amount. But that means that when I pull up on someone and they're driving five over, I'm mad at them because they feel like a hazard to me. But if somebody likes to drive 15 over and they come up behind me, that person feels like a hazard to me as well, yeah. right? It's like somehow my unwritten rule is better than everyone else's unwritten rule. Yeah. So, yeah. And so it's stuff like that. I mean, so th that's one of the things that makes it uh, a really... Um, uh, obviously angering situation. Um, the other stuff that makes this um, angering is, uh, you know, you're surrounded by like anonymous others, right? That that makes them really easy. And you can like so easily label them as like a total idiot and then have that be true. It doesn't matter if they're like in Mensa or uh, or something else. <laughs> you've, you've labeled them a total idiot, therefore it must be true, you know? Um, it's dangerous, you know, so whether we realize it or not, we're kind of keyed up to be anxious, uh, things like that. Um, 
So can I tell you a story about, yes. so I have two road rage stories. One where I was the, I was actually just in the back seat when I was a little kid. Maybe I've told you this before. Um, but when I was a little kid, I was um, in the back of my dad's car and we were leaving somewhere in Minneapolis and there was a Minnesota Twins game letting out. And a bunch of pedestrians crossed the road in front of us and I, um, uh, like, or, or my, my dad started getting angry. And you could see my dad, like, starting to fume, you know, as he's sitting there and kind of starts honking on his horn a little bit. And then um, at the end of this trail, people, I think he must have been concerned that people were going to, like, more people were going to come. So he started to inch forward. And this guy like pushed his wife uh, or girlfriend or partner out of the way and then kind of like sat down on the front of my dad's car. And so my dad decided to keep driving and like to speed up a little bit. So he starts driving forward, like kind of inching forward a little bit and then like really going forward. And the woman uh, starts screaming at my dad and says, and I, I need to preface this story by saying, my dad is a very, very smart man. And he <laughs> said something wildly bizarre and stupid here where she yells, you son of a bitch, I'm pregnant. And his response was, if you're pregnant, you should stay out of the road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which doesn't make, <laughs> make a lot of sense. That I think what he might have meant is like, you shouldn't jaywalk. <laughs> but... But I think it speaks to something we've been covering a lot on the show, which is people saying kind of dumb things when they're really, really angry and doing dumb things when they're really, really angry and how the road and, and road rage tends to bring that out of people in a big way. Thoughts? I, I don't know what to think. I mean, that's <laughs> quite the story. It's, it's super scary when you're a kid like yeah. to to witness all of that you know and um and like I just remember sort of and so actually at one point my dad like slammed on the brakes the guy kind of falls off the front of the car moves out of the way my dad speeds up and he tries to like throw a punch in the window at my dad which didn't work because he can't punch someone through the window of a moving car and uh, and so again people doing stupid things when they're angry um and then speeds speeds off but it it was sort of this early like witnessing of like, wow, bad things happen when you're mad and people do dumb things when they're mad and they say dumb things and like these situations can look, can get really messy. I have another story. Oh, good. <laughs> this is just, this is just anger story time with Ryan Martin. Um, so I, uh, this one's my fault. So I was leaving a Walmart about uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, maybe. And um, I was in a really bad mood for a, a lot of reasons. And I think I actually mentioned this in our first ever episode, I tell the story. So but I've gotten more details. And so I'm leaving a, a Walmart. And uh, this guy or I, I'm backing out of my spot and someone comes driving down like the aisle. And I, I probably should have waited for him you know like but I decided no I'll just pull out he might want my spot whatever and I pull out and he starts honking and flashing his lights at me and so I did a thing that again is really dumb and I learned my lesson this day where I gave him the finger and as I drove past and then I kept driving and he um he uh I look in my rearview mirror and his reverse lights are on 
and he's turning around and coming after me and i got in a high speed medium speed i mean you can only go so fast in a walmart parking lot but i got in like a medium speed car chase through a walmart parking lot where he was coming after me and then it went out onto some side streets like nearby like a frontage road i ended up like trying to go left and he pulled in front of me um and so then i had to like do like a like a reverse U-turn thing and just speed out of there. He got out of his car and came charging after me. So it was like another example of how bad things can happen when you can't keep it cool on the road. And so anyways, so give me other examples of, uh, of, of pet peeves you have. Wow. Um, I guess I get really annoyed when people flash their lights at me. Mm. Like, um, a couple weeks ago, I was driving home, and I had to uh, um, slow down because there was an accident up ahead, and it was sort of nighttime, mm-hmm. like getting to be nighttime, I guess. But then the car behind me was coming in pretty hot, and then not slowing <laughs> down, and so I sort of, like, stepped on my brakes <laughs> a little bit so they would know that, hey, I'm stopped on the road. And then they got up behind me, and they just, like, kept flashing their headlights at me, and I, I was just kind of thinking to myself, yeah, I kind of instinctively just sort of flipped them off and I was like, "See, Taylor, what are you doing? There's no reason for this. <laughs> so that's just it. Like I think there is actually like this vis- visceral instinct to give people the finger. It, it's happened to me before yeah. too. I think we talked about it a few episodes ago that like I was on I was on the 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 interstate actually coming into campus, like getting off that exit right before campus, and uh, I was going a little bit slow because there was a truck next to me, and he kept kind of crossing the line, so I was sort of backed off, and somebody laid on their horn behind me, and literally without even thinking about it, just threw the hand up, mm-hmm. and then I kind of stopped myself, too, because of the Walmart experience, but also because we were close to campus, and in my head, I was just like... That's gonna be the chancellor. That's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be the provost. It's gonna be someone, one of the many people here who is my boss, uh, and I'm gonna you know hear about it. So then I got all nervous as I continued to drive, thinking like, what if they turn onto campus? What should I do? And then they went the other way, and I felt better about things. But it was this sort of like quick like reflex that I had where I I threw the finger up. So did you did anything happen? Did they no. No. It was dark out, so they couldn't see me do it, uh, okay. but I knew that I did it, and I felt bad right away. <laughs> <laughs> the The flashing of the lights is one of those sort of irritating things that – I talked to a friend once who told me um, that that's just how he communicated. Like, he didn't mean it meanly when he did it to people, but it was just his way of saying, I would like to get past you. And I kept thinking, that's great, but I don't know that they interpret it that I way. I did not interpret it that yeah. way. <laughs> I don't think that's how anyone interprets it. No. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody's – so, yeah, we. Um, I talked to a guy who um, who built a. Uh, his name's Clarence Bird, and he's he's a professional driver, and he just came started a company that makes these signs that are called uh, I'm sorry signs, and it's like a sign that you can hold up in your window to tell someone that you've made a mistake and that you're sorry. And it's actually it's kind of sweet that he. He did this because he basically wants to help people de-escalate those situations because there is no way of communicating effectively with, with people if you want to, like, you know, either apologize for a mistake mm-hmm. or let someone know. Um, I think I told the story once before, like, I did actually try to apologize to someone and tell them I was sorry, and I just got the finger almost immediately. Yeah. I was like, well, that's not 
nice. I was trying to say I was sorry. Like, yeah. maybe I need one of those I'm sorry signs. No, I was going to say, I could definitely use one of those. <laughs> yeah, so um, I would want to expand on it, though. I'd want one that says, like, it's your fault. Are, <laughs> are you sorry? Um, question mark, and so on, right? Um, all good. So I've got some research that I want to uh, t- to discuss, too. So um, because the thing is, like, there there's lots about the situation that obviously leads to anger, right? There's a lot about um, everything we talked about, you know, these anonymous others, the fact that you're keyed up, all these unwritten rules and so on. But there's characteristics of the person as well that that seems to influence things. And so um, there's this uh, an article from written by actually my advisor in graduate school, Eric Dolan, and a, a a friend of mine, Roy White, back in 2006, that really looked at um, mainly the big five personality traits, right? So openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And um, and basically found that three of those in particular are really associated with anger, right? So, um, and the three are, uh, one of them is actually a little bit surprising, and it's um, uh, we'll save the surprising one for last, I guess. Um, one of them is neuroticism, which isn't surprising at all, right? People who are emotionally reactive tend to be emotionally reactive on the road. Um, one is conscientiousness, although this is reverse, this is negatively correlated, right? So if you're a conscientious person, um, you're likely to be okay um, or unlikely to, to have problems on the road. But one was extroversion, right? So people who are uh, outgoing, who are sociable, they were more likely to have problems on the road for some reason. And I don't totally know why that would be or, or what the explanation is for that. Um, but extroverts, more likely to have problems. The other thing they looked at, though, is a tendency and a need for sensation-seeking. This need to um, like want very novel, complex, intense sensations and experiences, things like that, that they were more likely to take risks on the road and therefore more likely to have experienced anger and road rage on the road. Um, so you listened to the interview that we're about to play, right? Because we're about yep. to turn to a discussion of Brad Bushman. Did you have any thoughts on that interview or anything that's jumped out at you? Um, I thought some of the stats he used were really interesting, but I don't want to spoil them. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it's true. I, I think he, he goes into a lot of data that I think is really, really fascinating. Um, as far as, I mean, he really made the, makes the case in this interview that this is a much bigger problem than even I mm-hmm. realized. And I've studied and written some stuff about driving anger in the past. And so, I mean, I think he really makes the case that there's a serious problem here that, that we, is kind of going unnoticed. So in a moment, you're going to all hear from Dr. Brad Bushman. He's a professor of communication and psychology at The Ohio State University. Um, he's been studying aggression and violence for about 30 years. I actually did two interviews with uh, Dr. Bushman. There's one on driving, and then next uh, episode, you're going to hear another one on catharsis. The one thing I would say is there's a ton to unpack here, and he does some really cool research on um, narcissism. But I think one of the things I would say is, and I think I've talked to you about this before, Taylor, but I am not someone who gets terribly starstruck when mm-hmm. it comes to anyone um except for the time i saw david hasselhoff at the mall of america that was pretty cool well that makes sense i mean maybe it was the hoff though so it's (laughs) understandable but i i think um i'm not someone who gets super starstruck but 
I really, really think Dr. Bushman is a, is a fascinating researcher and a great scholar, and talking to him about this stuff was really, really cool. Um, he, he just he really knows his stuff, but he also is doing really, really fascinating, great research. He's going to start out by telling us a little bit about his driving simulator that I think is pretty cool. Um, and I'm going to actually post uh, a video along with this episode uh, so you can take a look at how, how he does that research. Uh, so why don't we go ahead? I'd love to hear more about the driving uh, simulator setup you have. If you could tell listeners a little bit about how it works. Well, the driving simulator is a, a real car, um, and um, it, it actually moves um, on the road, and um, it it's completely surrounded by screens, um, and even in the rear view mirror and side view mirrors. Um, they're LED displays, so you see things there. Um, so, uh, and and in our in our driving simulator study, we we study aggressive driving. So um, that's different than road rage. Can I tell you about the difference? Or yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, well, it's important to distinguish between aggressive driving and road rage. Um, uh, road rage is a criminal offense. I think most people think they're synonyms, but they're not. Um, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration defines aggressive driving as the operation of a motor vehicle in a manner which endangers or is likely to endanger persons or property. And some examples are like speeding, tailgating, blocking other drivers, uh, driving off the road, uh, running red lights, running stop signs, honking your horn, flashing your bright lights, making obscene gestures, cursing or shouting at other drivers. But uh, road rage is actually a criminal offense, and it's defined as an assault with a motor vehicle or other dangerous weapon by the operator or passengers of a motor vehicle, like colliding into other vehicles, or colliding into pedestrians, or shooting pedestrians from inside a car, that sort of thing. Over 30,000 Americans are killed every year in motor vehicle crashes, and it's actually the leading cause of death in 15 to 29-year-olds. Um, and there are several causes of these motor vehicle crashes, like texting or alcohol consumption, bad weather, but the leading cause is aggressive driving, and that accounts for over half of all traffic uh, fatalities. Wow, I did not know some of those stats. I've actually done some research on uh, driving anger in the, in the past, and um, I was unaware of some of those uh, more recent statistics. That's incredible. So um, I want to hear about this 2018 study where you found this relationship between narcissism and aggressive driving. Can you talk a little bit about that study and what you think are some of the implications there? Yeah, sure. So narcissists, uh, the term narcissist comes from the Greek mythical character Narcissus, who, the young man who fell in love with his own image uh, reflected in the water. Um, narcissists think they're special people who deserve special treatment. And our research has shown when they don't get the special treatment they think they're entitled to, narcissists often lash out at others in an angry and aggressive way. So we predicted that narcissists might think they own the road and they can drive any way they want because they're special people and that other drivers should get out of their way. 
So we did um, three studies to test this hypothesis. The first two were uh, conducted by my colleague in Luxembourg, and um, the, the first study uh, looked at 139 Luxembourgish uh, motorists. They completed a 15-item measure of narcissism. Some sample items are, I like to be the center of attention, and I am an extraordinary person. And they also completed a 38-item measure of aggressive driving, a self-report measure, such as I often swear when driving a car, and when driving my car, I easily get angry about other drivers. And it was a convenient sample. Uh, about 52% of the participants were university students, and then they asked their friends to complete the study also. Um, and in that, in that first study, we found a positive uh, correlation between narcissism and aggressive driving. Correlation was about 0 0.30. And we controlled for uh, gender. Uh, males are more aggressive drivers than females. And we controlled for age. Younger uh, drivers are more aggressive than older drivers. And then, so we tried to replicate that study using a more representative sample in study two. And we had 100 Luxembourgish um, motorists. Um, they also completed self-report measures of narcissism and aggressive driving, like in study one. But these were uh, motorists who were having their vehicles inspected at various service stations throughout the country, and that's a national uh, requirement to have these inspections. So they, they should be more representative of people on the road. Um, and, and rather than a convenient sample. And we once again found a significant positive correlation between narcissism and aggressive driving about uh, 0.40, uh, even after we controlled for uh, gender and age. And then uh, study three, we used um, um, 60 American uh, university students. They were from Ohio State and they completed a self-report measure of narcissism just like the first two studies. But then they did this driving simulation uh, experiment, and we, um, we simulated some frustrating elements like a car pulling out in front of them from a side road, a traffic jam, a construction zone, a mimic car that copied their uh, behavior, and a short traffic light like it was red for 60 seconds, then turned green for five seconds, and then immediately turned red again. And um, and we uh, we could actually measure uh, aggressive driving. We told participants that the, the other cars in this simulation were being controlled by other real people, so they'd get pissed off at them. And we had several measures of aggressive driving in the simulation, such as tailgating, uh, speeding, crossing the double yellow uh, solid lines into oncoming uh, traffic, driving on the shoulder, honking their horn, verbal aggression like this guy's a dickhead, uh, and aggressive gestures such as giving another driver the middle finger. And we also measured uh, road rage because a couple of our participants actually collided into other uh, drivers. and. In this study, we also found a significant positive relation between narcissism and aggressive driving, uh, about 0.38, uh, and we controlled for gender and age again. 
Um, so if you average the correlation across these studies and you weight by the size of the sample, the average correlation was about 0.35, and the just for comparison, the correlation between smoking, cigarettes, and lung cancer is about 0 0.40. So wow. it's, this is not a trivial uh, uh, relationship. It's uh, pretty strong. Right. So, and if I'm if I'm interpreting this, because one thing I want to make sure is clear for listeners, so we aren't necessarily talking about you know pathological. Well, it is pathological, no. but we're not talking about like the personality disorder, narcissism, right? Just high levels of right. That is really so. This I think, is an important. It is important. So this is a measure of narcissism in the general uh, population. Um, right. So some of the uh, the scale we used has some forced choice items. So participants have to choose between pairs of items, which one describes them most, such as okay. I insist upon getting the respect that's due to me. That's the narcissistic response versus I usually get the respect I deserve, which is a non-narcissistic. Okay. So these are just um, ordinary people, you know, from Luxembourg. Right. You know, and Ohio State, you know, these are not clinical uh, patients. Right. So you don't have to be a diagnosed narcissist to have uh, driving aggression problems. You can be. Correct. Uh, but, but, yeah. Okay. I was just going to say, uh, many, many studies have shown that uh, narcissists are uh, more aggressive than other people, especially when their egos are threatened. But, um so, but this uh, study shows that it occurs also in a driving context. Right. Um, so I want to talk about this other study you did, I guess, the year before in 2017 that I think is really fascinating. And I think the you talk about the weapons effect, and I think the findings might surprise people. So can you just uh, describe that one a little bit and maybe start with what inspired you to do the study, but then also what you found? Sure. So I do research on aggression and violence, and, you know, when you think about uh, gun debates, one topic that rarely comes up is the fact that merely seeing a weapon can make people more aggressive. And that study was first uh, uh, reported by uh, Leonard Berkowitz and uh, LePage. Uh, they did a study in 1967. Um, male college students uh, evaluated each other's performance on a task using electric shocks. That was their measure of aggression. Um, but the partner was actually an accomplice who was pretending to be another participant. And in, in this study, the accomplice first evaluated the participant's performance by giving the participant either one shock, which is a low anger condition, or seven shocks, which was the high anger condition. And then they switched roles, and the participant evaluated the accomplice's performance. And um, they were seated at a table, and the experimenter said, oh, I can't believe the other experimenter didn't clean up after himself. Just ignore the items on the table. And they're randomly assigned to three conditions. In one condition, the items on the table were a shotgun and a handgun. In a wow. second condition, uh, the items on the table were um, uh, just tennis rackets, badminton rackets. And 
in third condition, the, uh, there was nothing on the table. And um, the researchers found no difference between having, like, sports equipment on the table versus nothing on the table. Um, but they found that when a shotgun and handgun were on the table, that participants uh, gave their partner um, uh, more shocks uh, than when there was, like, sporting equipment or nothing on the table. And especially if the participants had been angered by this person, uh, the, mm-hmm. mere pre- the mere presence of a weapon made them more aggressive. Um, so this is called the weapons effect. It's been um, replicated many times, both inside and outside the laboratory. And I read about a study, show, it was an, actually a nationally representative uh, sample of 2,770 uh, 2, American drivers, and these researchers uh, reported that drivers who had a gun in their vehicle at least once during the past year were significantly more aggressive drivers than those who had no gun in the vehicle. For example, they were more likely to make obscene gestures at other drivers, 23% versus 16%, and they were more likely to tailgate uh, 14% versus 8%. Uh, and, the, and the researchers controlled for many other factors related to aggressive driving, like we did in our studies, like gender and age, but also driving frequency and, you know, whether they lived in a city or urban environment, uh, things like that. Um, but it, we thought, well, it's hard to make causal inferences based on this uh, survey uh, study. So, we basically did a replication of the Berkowitz and LePage uh, um, experiment in our driving simulation lab, and um, participants um, got got in the car, and by the flip of a coin, we put either a tennis racket or a 9-millimeter handgun on their uh, seat. It was unloaded, and... Um, and the, and the experimenter said exactly the same thing. Oh, I can't believe the other experimenter didn't clean up after himself. Just ignore those items. Um, and what we found is that um, participants who uh, had a gun in the passenger seat uh, were much more aggressive drivers in this uh, frustrating simulation uh, uh, scenario than were uh, participants who had a tennis racket in the seat. And we can make causal inferences because we flipped a coin to determine whether there was a tennis racket or a, a real gun in the seat. Right. Wow, that is pretty extraordinary. As far as the, the types of aggressive behaviors that you saw, can you describe the, the types of things people did? Uh yeah, they were the they were the uh same ones as in study 3 in the 2018 study like okay. um tailgating, speeding, crossing the double uh yellow solid lines into oncoming traffic, driving on the shoulder, honking the horn, verbal aggression, um aggressive dra- gestures like flipping the other driver off. One person actually grabbed the gun and tried to shoot the other uh, driver, um, but colliding into other vehicles, um, so they, those were the measures we used. Okay. 
Wow, that is amazing. Um, is there anything else you want people to know about uh, aggressive driving or road rage or, or anything? Well, I think um, pe- most people would be surprised to know that 37,000 Americans are killed every year in motor vehicle crashes, and over half of those are due to aggressive driving. I think if you ask the ordinary person on the street, they'd say, oh, it's texting or alcohol consumption or bad weather or something like that. But aggressive driving accounts for more – it's the biggest risk factor for traffic fatalities is aggressive driving. So um, I think our our studies uh, are important uh, because they show one – Person, personal factor related to aggressive driving, namely whether the driver is narcissistic, and we're not talking about like having a narcissistic personality disorder, but rather, you know, just having this sense that they're a special person and that they deserve special treatment. Other research we've conducted in our lab show that narcissists are very impatient. They think their time is really precious and, uh, um, and you know on the road that that factor could influence their aggressive driving they're trying to get to some location they think they're better than other people others should get out of their way and they become more angry and aggressive when they're frustrated in these situations and then the 2017 study uh shows that a situational factor uh can influence aggressive driving just merely having a gun in your car can make you a more aggressive uh, driver, even if you don't touch it, just having it there. That is all very fascinating, and uh, I want to. <laughs> I'm anxiously awaiting, you know, future findings, especially with the driving simulator. I think that sounds really. It, it, it's a, a level beyond a lot of driving research that I've been seeing over the years. So that that's exciting. Yeah, we actually found only. Um, uh, six experiments on aggressive driving, and we did one of them. So, um, it, you know, experimental studies of aggressive driving are quite rare. These um, driving right. simulators are very expensive. They're, you know, um, so that's probably why they're so rare. And that's going to do it for this episode of All the Rage. Any thoughts before we go, Taylor? I thought it was really interesting in uh, the interview you did how he talked about the whole having the gun in the car leads to people maybe being more aggressive. Yeah, that was that's an amazing finding. And it's actually one of the more consistent findings that we have in psychology is this weapons effect. People have talked about that for decades, um, but we're continuing to find it in, in this situation a new circumstance. And I, and I think part of what makes that really interesting to me is that it, it runs contrary to what I think most people would believe uh, mm-hmm. about uh, a weapon being present. Um, and I think it's got real serious implications for driving, but for other, uh, for other things as well. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so in our first four episodes, we've been talking about people who get angry and the situations that tend to make them angry, but we haven't really talked about how to deal with unwanted anger yet. We need to debunk this myth that it's somehow healthy to vent your anger or blow off steam. You know, many people have heard the old joke, how how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Uh, The answer is practice, practice, practice. 
well, how do you become an angry, aggressive person? The answer is the same. Practice, practice, practice. And that'll be next time on All the Rage. Until then, keep it cool. All the Rage is produced by Kate Farley out of Phoenix Studios. Our podcast art was created by Kimberly Vlees, and our music was created by V6 Beats. Thanks to our guest co-host, Taylor Galbrand, and special thanks to Dr. Brad Bushman. If you want to live in a less violent world, you should listen to what he has to say. And finally, thanks to Haley Falcon, our intern, who's pretty great. Thank you.